last slide for me, Jerry, please. Do you guys know who this guy is? That I'm... You guys seen him before? Like maybe six, seven years ago, this guy, his name is Ted Williams, and um, he was a, I mean, originally, he was a radio announcer, but he had gotten caught up in drugs and alcohol, and he lived in Columbus, Ohio, and he was begging. That's what you see on the left-hand side. He was begging um, on the side of the highway, and um, as he's begging, he, um, he would speak to people in his like radio, best radio DJ announcer voice. And so um, a guy from one of the Columbus newspapers had seen him, and uh, he decides to go and record him with his phone. And he's like, hey, I want to give you a donation, but you know, please first do your radio voice. And the guy does it, you know, hey, this is so-and-so, WKMB, whatever. He gives him some money. Anyway, this uh, phone video that the guy takes goes viral on YouTube. And uh, because of that, this guy goes from rags, literally, to riches. And he um, leaves, obviously, his homeless state. He uh, begins to do more uh, radio announcing. He does voiceovers. He ends up getting a deal with Kraft, and he does something for them. He does a commercial for Pepsi that's shown during the Super Bowl. He ends up getting this huge book deal. And God just completely changes his life and turns it upside down. Now, unfortunately, um, it was too much too fast for him, and he had a relapse. He went um, back to drugs and alcohol, but fortunately, he's back on the upswing again. He, he, he caught himself, um, he's been on some of the more um, popular um, television shows, and he's out there telling a story about how he's been able to overcome drugs and alcohol, and how God basically saved his life as he was a homeless man, begging next to a highway. I, I tell this guy's story, you can put up the title slide again, but I tell this guy's story because our passage this morning reminds me of him. And our passage this morning reminds me of situations like his, where you can be down on your luck, you can feel forgotten, as if no one is thinking about you, including God, but really in the blink of an eye, God can turn your fortunes for the better. God can change your life. A simple a knock on the door, an email, a text message, really can have the, the effect of changing our lives from bad to good. Are you with me? And Joseph's story is kind of like that. In Genesis chapter 41, turn there with me. Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. He serves in the home of an important official, Potiphar. Potiphar's wife frames Joseph by claiming that he tried to sleep with her when actually it was the opposite. She was trying to sleep with him, and Joseph was righteous, ran away. He's put in prison for some years. We don't know exactly how many years. There's about 11 unaccounted for years there in Joseph's life. Um, but God was with him while he was in prison. Uh, the prison was not a, um, a, a white-collar prison where you get to play tennis and, and cards and everything else. It was probably a, a pretty run-down kind of a place. His life was hard, but because God was with him and because God used Joseph's gifts, his diligence, his hard work ethic, his perseverance, Joseph rises to the top and he ends up running things in the prison. Now, I've got a, a, a relative... I won't even say how close this relative is to me, but I've got a relative, 
And ever since I've been a young child, my, my relative has been in and out of jail. And quite honestly, right now he's in probably his early 50s. He's spent more time in jail in his life than out of jail. So much so, the jail that he normally goes to, which is the Clark County Jail, this is in Jeffersonville, Indiana, he runs things in that jail. And everybody knows that when my relative goes to this, goes to jail, he gets whatever he wants, okay? I tell his story to say that Joseph's story is not like that. Joseph didn't run things in that way, in a criminal way. Joseph ran things in a good way while he was in prison. Amen, right? And so God gives Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And he ends up interpreting the dreams of the, the cupbearer, the baker, and eventually Pharaoh. And, and Matt preached on that um, last Sunday. And he ends up predicting seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And this is where we find Joseph this morning. God gave Joseph wisdom. God gave him a wise plan. Uh, let me just pause here. I just think that it's, it's really good, the plan that God gave him. Basically, plan ahead while times are good so that you can be okay when times are bad. I mean, that's great wisdom for all of us. That applies in all areas of life, right? When you've got time, go ahead and study ahead so that you're not cramming at the last minute. Amen? Teams, campus, right? For those of us that earn income, save money now so that you can have money later. Amen? Young professionals, those of us that have eyes on retirement, right? That's great and awesome wisdom that God gave him. The other thing that I really like about this is that Joseph came... Not just with a problem. He didn't just say, you know what, there's going to be seven years of famine, and I'm, so, I'm sorry, seven years of abundance, and then seven years of famine, and I'll see you later. I'm going back to jail. He didn't do that. He came with a plan. And he says, well, hey, set aside this amount during this time, and this is what we can do. And Pharaoh ultimately uses that plan. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Anyway. As I think about, again, uh, Ted Williams, as I think about Joseph, I'm reminded of 1 Peter 5. Peter writes and he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Let's pray before we read this morning. Our great and heavenly Father, you um, are constantly looking out for us, God. You never leave us, you never forsake us, you never forget us. Your eyes are never turned from us, Father. You see us in our times of suffering, you see us in our times of joy. And Father, we just um, thank you. We thank you so much for looking out for us, so much so that you sent your son to die on the cross for us because you saw us in our dark prisons of sin. But Father, because of Jesus, we can be released, we can be rescued, we can be saved. Father, we pray for the flooding victims in Houston who have suffered um, under Hurricane Harvey. We pray that, uh, we're, one, we're grateful that there's been so little loss of life, um, but we are saddened by every life that's been lost. 
We pray that um, those who are just going through hard times right now, who are down on their luck, that, Father, they would see that your hand is mighty and that you can lift them up as well. We pray for your protection for all the members of the church. We pray that homes are restored, lives are restored, belongings are restored. And that most importantly, Father, that everyone sees your immense and amazing power through this flood. And that everyone stands in awe of you. We thank you once again for your word this morning, Father. We appreciate it and we love you. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 41. Uh, read with me beginning in... We can just start in verse 33. That's fine. It says, And now Pharaoh... This is Joseph speaking. Look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as a second in command. People shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand in the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. 
And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. Two points this morning. The first is, God lifts us up. God lifts us up. I think it's so cool because, um, you know, sometimes if you've ever been a part of a, I don't know, an organization, a club, or responsible for planning something, or just in charge of something, people can come and they can come complain, right? People come and they, they bring all the problems, and this can happen in something as small as a family where the children are complaining, or it can happen on the job, you don't like what the boss is doing, right? But um, sometimes we can come and complain. And um, a lot of times what's really good to do is ask the person complaining to come up with the solution and to implement it. And in a sense, that's kind of what Pharaoh's doing here. Joseph came, he expressed the problem, he came with the solution, and Pharaoh says, well, Joseph, sounds like you're the man with the plan. And so since Joseph had this great wisdom, he asked Joseph to go, therefore, and implement his plan. And he appoints Joseph as the vizier of all of Egypt. Everybody say vizier. 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 Kind of like veneer, but vizier. Spelled V-I-Z-I-E-R. The word simply means um, ruler or, in our case, kind of like prime minister. In ancient Egypt, those who held this role of vizier had... Um, broad responsibilities. They were typically appointed by the pharaohs, and they often belonged to pharaoh's family. They supervised the running of the country, and they even were involved in small details. They would sample the water supply from time to time to be sure that it was okay. All of the other supervisors, all of the other officials, all the other um, tax collectors, everybody else in the entire administration reported to the vizier. He ran everything. He was like the chief executive officer of the nation. The judiciary was even under his charge. And so the vizier had a seat on the high court, kind of like the Supreme Court. The um, vizier, he supervised the security of the palace. He was the head of the palace guard. He was in charge of the protection of the pharaoh. They were the second in the command, just like the Bible reads here in Joseph's story. He um, had a, the, 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 the signet ring that the Pharaoh gave to Joseph. His signet ring had to be stamped on every official document, every major decision that was made in the entire kingdom, had to have this signet ring stamped from the vizier. He managed the taxes. He monitored the food supply. He listened to problems between the, the, the nobles, and he helped to settle those problems. He ran Pharaoh's household. He ran everything. And on top of that, he gave a daily report to Pharaoh on how things were doing in the kingdom. I just say this to, to say, to, to, to illustrate how broad Joseph's responsibilities were at this time and to show how much God had done. God had brought Joseph from incredibly humble beginnings to now he is second in command over the entire kingdom of Egypt. Don't ever give up hope. When the Lord is with you, things can turn around very, very quickly. 
Can you imagine that day as Joseph was in the dungeon? He had been there now two more years than he had expected to be because he would given the first um, interpretation of the dream to the cupbearer and to the, the baker. And he tells him, hey, when you get out, tell Pharaoh that I'm in here. Hook me up. Get me up out of here, right? But he's in there for an additional two years. And by then, if it were me, I would have just felt like, it's over. Just forget it. I'm never getting out of here. And then all of a sudden, they kind of hit the, the, the bars or whatever on the prison cell. And they're like, hey, Joseph, get up. It's time to get a shave. Put on these clothes. Guess what? You've got an appointment with Pharaoh. Could you imagine just that quickly how his life would have changed? It's amazing. His day started in prison and finished in the penthouse. He went from the basement to the boardroom, from dungeon to distinction, from shackles to a savior, even in a sense. Who else in history has been so low and risen so high so quickly? I think about Nelson Mandela when I think about Joseph's story. Mandela was imprisoned in 1962. He conspired to overthrow the South African government. The South African government had, um, had a policy of apartheid or uh, systemic racism, basically, in the government. It was their policy. And so Nelson Mandela, he made it his business to try to overthrow the government, and because of that, he got locked up for it. Most of his imprisonment was spent in a damp 8 by 7 concrete cell, and he slept on a straw mat. His days were spent breaking rocks into gravel. His nights were spent studying. He was 27 years in prison. And if you were around in the 80s, you remember the signs that everyone would have, even t-shirts of free Mandela, right? And in 1990, he was finally released after being in jail for 27 years. The amazing thing about his life is that just four years later, he was elected president of South Africa. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you're in jail for 27 years, and just four years later, here you are, a president. God can change your life very, very quickly. And so as impressive and meteoric even as Mandela's rise to power was, Joseph's was faster and even more impressive. He went from forgotten to to freedom, from nothing, to now the leader of a nation, really in a day. And so God is able to lift us up in due time. And in due time is the key phrase there, right? <laughs> I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if, if you're struggling. I don't know if, if you're hurting. I don't know, maybe you feel like you're locked up. And in a prison and forgotten somewhere. Maybe you're wondering, where is God? He's with us. God does not leave his people. He promises to never leave us. He promises to never forsake us. Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so in your darkest hour, God is there. Are you with me? Yeah. His hand is mighty. And he will lift you up in due time. 
So as the world chanted for and even demanded Mandela's release, he still had to wait. Joseph, even though he thought he was going to get out, he still had to wait two more years after he had interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the beggar. And so God does have a plan, but his plan is within the course of time. And in due time, he will lift us up. For Joseph, this was all a part of God's plan. And what his brothers intended for harm, God intended for good. God was planning to use Joseph to save a nation. That's why he allowed him to go through all the things that he went through. But God was not done blessing him yet. Joseph got a new name, Zaphonath, Penea. Scholars don't agree exactly on what that name meant, but it could be the God speaks and he lives, or it could mean he who knows things. I kind of like he who knows things because Joseph kind of knew some stuff. Anyway, but the position of vizier was normally given to an Egyptian. Like I said, either a relative of Pharaoh or it could have been passed down generationally. But Joseph was not Egyptian. Joseph was from Canaan. So he gets this new name really to say, we accept you. We embrace you. You are one of us. Not only does he get a new name, but Joseph gets a new wife. Mind you, he's single. And Pharaoh knew that. And so Pharaoh says, I'm going to hook you up with a wife as well. And it seems strange, maybe, that he would have an Egyptian wife, but uh, Joseph stands firm. As his wife doesn't sway him or, or turn him from his faith in God. As a matter of fact, I mean, his two children have Hebrew names, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph maintains his faith in the Lord um, throughout his life, and even by Joseph's own request. At the very end, he had asked for his bones to be taken up back to Canaan once his people came out of exile. And so Joseph does have his two children during the years of plenty. Um, Manasseh means um, forget because he felt like God had helped him to forget all of his struggles. Ephraim means twice fruitful, not once, but twice, because God had made him fruitful in his land of suffering. What I think is so amazing about Joseph is that he was humble under God's mighty hand. Could you imagine the, the, the time that he had the, the opportunity to stand in front of Pharaoh, finally, He'd been trying to get out of prison. He'd asked people to get him out of prison. He had asked them specifically to speak to Pharaoh for him. He gets to stand before Pharaoh. What would have been the first thing on your mind? Finally! Did the, did the cupbearer tell you about me? Can you please let me out of this prison, right? That would have been the first thing I would have thought. But in the whole interaction between Joseph and Pharaoh, we don't read anything about Joseph putting himself forward. Joseph saying, you know what, I was sold here by my brothers, and I'm not supposed to be here, and Potiphar's wife, and all the moaning, whining, complaining, groaning. We don't hear any of that. Joseph simply does what God asked him to do. Interpret Pharaoh's dream, lay out the plan. Joseph doesn't even volunteer and say, hey, I'd be a great guy to do this. The way that it reads, you would think that he just simply laid out the plan and he was content to go back to his prison cell. Joseph humbled himself under God's hand. And when he got in front of Pharaoh, he didn't beg or argue for his release. This makes me think that he trusted that his life was in God's hands and that God would get him out of it 
if it was God's will to release him. And amen, it was. As we go through our lives, especially as we go through tough times in our lives, we've got to trust that God has not forgotten us. Trust that God has not forgotten us. Trust that he sees us. Trust that he's with us. Trust that he too has a good plan for us. We don't see the plan when we're in the middle of it. When we're locked up in the dungeon. When we're in the shackles. We don't see the plan. But there is a plan. And we've got to trust that God has one for us. And that he can change things very quickly. Again, a simple knock on a door can change your life. A letter in a mailbox, a text message, or a conversation can change the course of the rest of your life. We just need to sit tight and wait for the Lord. He will come to our aid and our rescue. And even if he does not in this life, he certainly will in the next. Amen? Second point, he lifts us up to use us. He lifts us up to use us. Now God had a reason for lifting Joseph up and getting him out of that prison. It wasn't simply and only to answer Joseph's prayers. It wasn't only because Joseph was really uncomfortable in that cell and he wanted Joseph to, to live in the lap of luxury. That wasn't it. It was because Joseph had a specific job to do. Joseph's job was to save the people. And it's interesting that Joseph didn't save by signs or wonders like Moses. He didn't save by great military strength like Joshua. There was no missionary zeal like Paul. Joseph was an awesome administrator. What did Mario say that he was? A, an accountant. A bean counter, right? I mean, I think that he had much more skill than that. I mean, he obviously he was a great leader. But his gifts were in administration. Joseph's, uh, uh, Joseph's work was simply to uh, plan, to get the food collected, to get the food counted, get the food stored, obviously guard the food so nobody would steal it. And he did that so well that they had so much grain that he couldn't even count all of it. When the famine had spread and all the world came to buy grain, he saw that it was paid for. And he saw that it was distributed. Everyone was taken care of, even foreigners. And I bring this out because, you know, sometimes we can, um, we can look at some of the more flashy um, gifts or parts of someone's personality or character. And we can think that if I can only just be like that person, right? Or I can only be used if I'm this particular way. If I'm strong, if I'm bold, if I'm whatever, charismatic, and, and if I'm able to really make people laugh, or I have the most sparkling personality, or whatever it is. But here we've got a, a great and a fantastic example of God using something that most of us would consider mundane. Someone who's a great counter to do something awesome. Because of Joseph, he saves, well, the whole world. All the world comes to Joseph at the time to find food for the famine. And so God brings him out of that prison to use him for that specific purpose, for him to be a savior of sorts. And so God lifts us up so that we can be useful as well. 
God doesn't comfort us only so that we can be comforted. Right. And go back and read 2 Corinthians, right, chapter 1. He, he comforts us, yeah, so that we can be comforted, but, but so that we can comfort others who are also in distress, right? And so if God, you know, saves us, it's not merely to, to ease our own pain. It's not merely to, to satisfy our felt needs, our creature comforts. He wants to use us for his good purposes. He wants to use us according to his good plan. And for those of us who are baptized disciples here this morning, why has God saved you? Is it only so that we can rejoice in our salvation? Is it only so that we can feel good about ourselves, put our heads on the pillow, and sleep good at night? Is, is that the only reason? Is that all? Surely not. God has saved us so that we can go out into the world, so that we can bear his image, so that we can be his representative, be his ambassador, and help all the world to find salvation the same way that we have through Jesus Christ. Amen? We're called to love others in the way that he's loved us. We're called to teach people about the one whose image we bear, Jesus. And Jesus is the life that I think Joseph, well, I don't know if he models Jesus' life because Jesus came after him, but for sure, Joseph's life pointed to Jesus. There are some resemblances there. They were both hated they were both betrayed. Both Jesus and Joseph suffered unjustly, right? Uh, but both of them humbled themselves under God's mighty hand. In Philippians 2, the Bible says, Therefore God exalted him, talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. And so both were lifted up and both were delivered for a noble purpose. God gave them both names. God gave them both power. God gave them both brides, right? The church is Jesus' bride. I know that's kind of a kind of a loose connection there, but he did give them both brides. And like Joseph was a savior to all the world, Jesus says to all the world in Isaiah 55, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Joseph's grain and, and, and food and sustenance cost the people of Egypt something. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. And Jesus is saying that you can come to me and you can buy and you can eat at no cost. It's free. And in the same way that Joseph was a savior, obviously Jesus is the ultimate savior. The hand of God is mighty. And if you're not a disciple, maybe you feel like you're in a prison this morning. We invite you to sit down with us and open the Bible. He can quickly change things in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Joseph. Just like Nelson Mandela. And he can lift you up for something great. For the brothers and sisters, be encouraged. 
Be inspired by God's mighty hand. It is powerful. There's no tragedy that he isn't able to deliver us from or wound he is not able to heal. He lifts his people up in due time. And as much as he's concerned about us, he isn't thinking about our welfare only. He lifts us up and he gives us gifts to use us for his purposes. What has he lifted you up for? Let's live under God's mighty hand and let's live out his purposes in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.